If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Motorcast, the official Motorhead podcast. And I am officially your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain. You may also know me by my uh, own personal podcast, Talking Bollocks. Lots of heavy metal interviews there. If you want to go and uh, listen to all of those, just click the link that is my name in the description and that will take you straight there. But here I am your guide through the world of all things Motorhead. And what a world it is. It is still expanding even though the band are no longer with us. It's incredible, it really is. And it's amazing getting your messages on social media and the feedback and everything. People just seem to be really into this and digging it, which is very, very, very cool. Can't thank you enough. So, If you would like to repay us in some small way, all you need to do is just tell other people who don't know about the Motorcast, tell them about it. Tell them to subscribe wherever you're listening on this, wherever you, whatever device you're listening to, there will be a button somewhere that says subscribe. Click that and every fortnight a brand new Motorcast will arrive in your device like magic. You don't have to do anything other than subscribe and also tell all of your friends to subscribe too. Okay, so who have we got on the show today? Well, it is none other than Dane Campbell, son of Phil and drummer in uh, Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons, along with Phil's other sons. What a great little family rock and roll unit that is. So... Without further ado, let's get chatting to Dane all about being in the family of Motorhead. Hello, Dane. Hello, Howard. How's it going? Going very well. Thank you very much. Are you at home at the moment? I'm at home, luckily. Yeah, yeah. I know you've listened to episodes of the Motorcast, so the next question is probably not going to be the biggest surprise in the world to you. But it is kind of different for you compared to everybody else I've spoken to at the moment. So... How did you first get introduced to Motorhead? Probably in the womb. Yeah. <laughs> You're way yeah. ahead of everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty much yeah, that's probably true because my old man was in the band a couple of years before I was born. Right. And I believe he unfortunately he was in an aeroplane when I was actually born, which sucks. And he got told. He got told by, I think someone sent a message to the airline somehow and one of the stewardesses, or they announced it on, on the speakers in the airplane. Saying, <laughs> That's for, brilliant. Mr. 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 Campbell, Philip Campbell, your, your son has been born or whatever. So that's a bit, it's, it, you know, that's one thing I, it is, it's, it's, it's a funny story, but it's a shame he wasn't there. But I think he waited as, until the last possible moment in the hospital or whatever. And then um, he had to go for whatever i assume it was a tour i don't know i don't know the details but yeah that's the thing when you're in a band sometimes the band has to come first yeah unfortunately. Absolutely. absolutely and i think i mean you could you couldn't you couldn't have a more a more sort of motorhead kind of birth really yeah yeah <laughs> you know, so he, he was he was actually had to leave the hospital to go on tour with motorhead <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's crazy but yeah um i presume i was exposed to the 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 sounds in the room and yeah since i was a little little kid that you know i've been listening to the albums yeah. since as they came out or before they came out which was a nice 
obviously it was quite cool to li- listen to demos and stuff. I remember my dad, well, it was tapes back then, bringing back cassette tapes of yeah, like, you know, oh, these are the first mixes or there's no vocals yet and things like that. I don't know, you know, I don't know if we've got any of that stuff anywhere, but yeah, you know, the, seeing the journey of the album being made to some degree yeah. every time was quite interesting, you know, but that's Instead of just, uh, yeah. But that that in itself is amazing because as a, as a small child you're introduced really early to the process like just like that like hearing hearing like music and saying well there's no vocals yet you yeah know, and just absolutely the, that's that's and like that is early <laughs> that's yeah very early and I think I don't know if the the writing process was the same back in like the early days I'm talking. I guess late eighties, early nineties, but like I know later on when it was just Mickey, my dad, and Lemmy, it was very much from what I've been told. Lemmy and Lemmy would kind of go chill out, whatever, and then Mickey and my dad would kind of spend a few weeks in the studio coming up with like riffs and drums and structures, and then Lemmy would come in and add his bits or say he didn't like stuff, and then he would introduce some of his own kind of pieces and songs, I believe, and then all the vocals were added at the end, so. I, yeah. I think that's fairly, I'm not saying it's completely unique, but I think that's kind of what they, they always did towards the end. Uh, so yeah, literally it was, the music would be there pretty much complete and then the vocals would be added at the end. Right. Maybe guitar solos might have come later. I don't know, but uh, yeah. So do, you, so do you have kind of like an earliest Motorhead memory of like, you know, the first gig you went to or, or, or anything like that? Or is, or is I mean, I, I do appreciate that you're not, a, you know, you're not a teenager and that it, it's, yeah, quite, it's wish, quite a while ago. It was quite a while ago. Yeah. Like I'm 34 now. So <laughs> I, be, I believe, I believe like I, I don't have one specific memory, but I just remember lots of, I presume they were like London shows and I was watching the gig from like the sound desk area quite often. Yeah. We kind of just sit up behind the sound guy um, with earplugs on and stuff. And it's just been really loud. Like, like, I don't know what was the exact first gig. Yeah. But it was probably, probably a London gig. Um, I remember, I don't know if it's because I've seen photographs or whether I can actually remember, but like one of the gigs while Filthy was still in the band and I, I got to kind of have a little bash on his drum kit after sound check. And I think I remember it, but I, it might be because there's been photos of it in my parents' house, like ever right. since. Yeah. So like, I maybe it's just the image I'm remembering. I don't know, but um, you know, little memories like that. And I think that probably inspired me to play the drums because I'm a drummer myself now. Um, and yeah, stuff like that. And then the same, much later on with Mickey, I, I think I got to play his kit quite a few times when I was younger, and that was a lot more difficult because he kind of has his tom toms up there and. I don't know, really, really strange kit. Ah, uh, right. He's, mind, I was, he's yeah. got the European setup. Yeah, yeah. I think, and I think I remember, if I remember rightly, Filth, these toms are more kind of flat angle towards him, so you can actually play them. Whereas yeah. <laughs> Mick, Mickey is like that, which ah. he, he, yeah, it's really strange. And like I asked Mickey, because Mickey was on my podcast this year, and he he has reasons for it. Um, I won't go into now, but um, yeah, something about power, getting more power if you're hitting onto it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but I, hard I, to play. No, I've, I've played. I've played with a drummer like that before, where where you know they're they're set up and the drums are literally flat, and they play with a straight back, and it's oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's all on top, um, and it's re- it's really weird to watch as well as as just an audience member, because yeah. so few people drum like that. You like, know, I. 
Yeah, yeah, it is quite unusual, I think. But what like, I don't mind, like I've had like a flat rack tom, but it'd always be low, low and flat, not high and flat. So I can yeah. I can strike it like that. And my floor toms, everyone tells me I have them too low. And I like those flat, which I think is quite normal, but I have them too low apparently. But um, yeah, the height, the height I don't get is because you're reaching up and then kind of hitting downwards. It just seems like too much effort. Yeah. It seems like more, more effort than you need to make. But obviously he was very good <laughs> and yeah. he still is. So I'm not going to argue with Mickey D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because, I mean, presumably you were, you know, you knocked around with the band, uh, you know, a fair amount and you got to know the members like like Phil and Lemmy and um, over the years. Um, I think I don't really have a lot of memories of Phil, well, Filthy and Wurzel so much. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, I would have met them and stuff when I was very young then. Um, I do have obviously a lot more memories of like chatting to Mickey and Lemmy and um, not, you know, less than you probably think, which is sad, really looking back. It's a shame that it kind of didn't take more. Well, I guess it takes effort from both parties, isn't it? But when, when we were going to shows, you've got to bear in mind, it was either like a big London show, a festival or like a, a local show in South Wales, like Newport or something. And, and they would, always be rammed full of guests because they're like yeah. if they're in south wales there's all my dad's friends and families you know the guest list would be like 200 people there my dad's guests and yeah. and and london you know if it was just full of press and all the kind of super fans and you know yeah. loads of people there and then there was you know you might get the odd celebrity there so it was like and then the show takes up two hours of the night so there's not a lot of time really to kind of yeah. chit chat and there's so many people to get around so and and because quite often they had separate dressing rooms everything was kind of separate it was like you know mickey would have his guests lemmy would have his guests my dad would have his guests and it'd all be kind of fairly separated and you might bump into people in the corridor or, or whatever um you know you'd go in and say hi to the, the guys in the band or vice versa but you know it was always fairly brief unfortunately on those big busy shows um and I, I always remember when I was a little bit older, I just finished uni. So like maybe I was 21, 22. And I actually went on tour with them for about a week. And I stayed on the bus with my dad, Mickey and Lem and with whoever the assistant was at the time. Who, um, who would that have been? Um, I can't, not Victor, but anyway, um, yeah, and I kind of stayed on a bus with them, and then I kind of had more conversations with them. And I remember we went out for a night out after one of the gigs, and I think we ended up. Do we end up at a casino or a strip club somewhere? Somewhere you normally, whatever you'd normally expect, Lemmy to go. And I remember coming back on the bus, and like me and Lem just one on one had a nice kind of twenty minute half, you know, half hour conversation. I, you know, I'd had a few beers, and you know, he'd probably had whatever he'd had, and um, yeah, that was kind of the most intimate moments I ever had with Lemmy to be honest and I don't really remember the details of it but I just remember he was like really interested in asking about me and you know finding out about me and that was really nice and it just sounds like how everyone else sound, tells us that he's like and ha- was like and yeah it's just just it's really nice down to a bloke really um yeah Mickey was a, always a bit more of a I guess joker um and I, I guess and still is kind of has a la- has a laugh but like yeah um 
me and Mickey always had the kind of drumming thing in, in common, which was nice. And I remember you used to kind of try and show me some warm up techniques and stuff. Um, and yeah, and just talk about his drums a little bit, which I was always interested in being a drummer. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but like nothing like, you know, not as if I ever went to dinner with them or, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I'd, you know, long nights chatting to them or things like that. Unfortunately, it's a shame for, yeah. considering how long my dad was in the band and I was alive for, for most of that. So yeah, it's a shame really, but you know, lots, lots of nice memories and the music's still there and I still listen to it. Not so much recently. Um, when Lem died, I kind of dived in and kind of went back because the, the, the older stuff that my, I guess my dad wasn't in or wasn't a part of, I, I wasn't as familiar with obviously apart from the songs they played right. live, I kind of knew, but like in terms of like, listening to the albums back to back. I had never really done that at that point. So I kind of did delve back and I really enjoyed that. Um, but I guess I was more familiar with, you know, early nineties onwards. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of familiar with those, that music. Um, but yeah, that was, that was nice. And we still play a few of the songs in the band, play a few motorhead songs. So every now and again, we'll suggest, Oh, why don't we try this? Less so now, because we've got more of our own material to play. Yeah. But we like to kind of shake it up a bit. But we're at the point now where we kind of do the main hits. And like, I don't know if I really want to play more because we want to kind of push our own stuff. It's, it's difficult. Yeah. So maybe yeah. we'd switch switch them up. But like, you know, we do, we obviously do Ace of Spades. We do Kill by Death. We do Born to Raise Hell. We do like songs like Rock Out, which I guess aren't the most popular songs, but they're great live songs to play. Yeah. And they get the crowd going really well. Um, I think that's probably it in the, in the set at the moment. We've never done Overkill, which is probably down to me, but I think I could do it now. I think I've been practicing. I've been practicing my double kick drum because I'm not really a metal drum. I'm not really a metal drummer at heart, so I I've always kind of played double kick, but like more for like fills and not so much right. in the way Motorhead use them for like constant. Uh, like I can do it to some degree, but like it, it's quite intense on that song and it it, it yeah. goes on for the majority of the song. So. But I think I could do it now. So maybe we'll talk about maybe adding that. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's great stuff out there. And every now and again, I'll just put a random album on. I'm like, yeah. Because sometimes I forget which songs are on which albums. I know I know some of the super fans and the guys who are really into the band probably know exactly what songs are on each album. I'm not, they're all a bit of a blur to me now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe as they came out, I was more familiar. But um, yeah, if you said a song named the track, I, I, might not get it right as to what album it was on. People listening to this who've who've never been in a band, or funnily enough, whose dads aren't in bands, it, you know that it, that might sound strange, but it, it's totally understandable because ultimately, you know, you weren't in Motorhead. Your dad was. That was his job. You know how how well do you know how how well do your friends know their dad's work colleagues? You know they probably never met. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, absolutely, uh, uh, yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, I wasn't in Motorhead. My dad, you know, my dad was. That's that's very different. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it, more than most. Then my my life and lifestyle was intertwined with my dad's job more than most. Yes. Well, I, I don't like using the word normal, but but more common job titles that yeah. dads <laughs> yeah. had. You know. Well, yeah, know. yeah. There's 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 floor manager. There's warehouse manager. There's forklift <laughs> driver, and there's yeah. drummer. In, and there's guitarist in Motorhead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, it's like everyone, I've always been asked, what, what was it like 
with your dad in the band. I was like, well, I don't know any different. It's more weird now that he's not in the band because <laughs> he was in the band through my whole childhood and most, yeah. you know, most of my adult life. So it's it's weird now that I know he's at home. <laughs> yeah, sitting yeah. down watching watching quiz shows, stroking his dog instead of being on tour. Do you know what I mean? It's well, I, more more well, weird now. Well, I have to. Well, I have to say, I'm glad you said stroking his dog. There, I wonder what you were going for. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a re- that's a really good point. Yeah, it's like it's like it must be weird, sort of like Dad, you know, go on tour or something. Oh, hang on, we're in the same band. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> that that's yeah, exactly, and that that that's great. Um, because that sucks for my mum mainly because we all bugger off and go on tour and leave her on, on her own. Whereas, you know, before we were home when my dad was away and, and stuff like that. And yeah, so like, I do feel sorry for my mum at the moment, but she, she's obviously really happy that we're playing in a band together. Yeah. And you know, when we play locally, she'll try and come and stuff. So she, yeah, she enjoys them and she, she loves the music. So that's all good. And that's, that's great. Um, do you, do, is there an aspect at all of kind of making up for those for those years that you know your dad was away for that time that you didn't see him is there an aspect is there kind of an uh, a part of that where like all of you are getting to to maybe bond and 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 spend more time together now than than you ever have done yeah i think i think absolutely in some ways Obviously, the only difference is now we all live we all live separately. We don't all live in the same house. Obviously, we're grown <laughs> men now. But um, so aside from that, when we're on tour, yeah, we we are spending more time together and kind of doing stuff and hanging out more. And then yeah, we you know we got to think. When I was a kid, it was quite normal for my dad to be away like eight or nine months of the year. Yeah, you know, give or, you know give or take. And yeah, it was a, a lot of time. And yeah, it was just we were just home. My mum was great, obviously, and my. I, luckily our grandparents were helping out and stuff um but like i just remember like yeah we missed him so much and you know this was before before cell phones so it was like occasionally he'd ring the house phone you know hopefully we'd be in and then we'd all have a quick chat on the phone on the house phone yeah pass it pass it around quickly yeah Yeah, you know international calls as well bloody expensive yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, it, it probably is a lot easier now for people in that situation with video calls and and, and all, all this stuff. It must be a lot easier to kind of feel less distant. Whereas, you know, we used to send us postcards and things when he was in certain countries and cities and stuff like that, which is cool. But um, you know, that's 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 the difference between the nineties and now. Yes. Yeah. Well, oh, massive. Well, massively. I mean, just. I mean, what you've just. You know, what you've just described. Like younger listeners will be like, right, okay, I'll go and Google postcard. <laughs> but um, oh, yeah, but, maybe, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, but literally, but that is like that's like but that's like checking in on Facebook, and then and but but like checking in seven days ago. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's like right. Yeah. Oh, oh, look where Dad was a week ago. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. absolutely true. Whereas now you can just be on your WhatsApp twenty four seven, send you pictures, videos, whatever he is, send yeah. you audio audio clips of him speaking to you or. Or whatever yeah. you want, you you know it can just be instantaneous. So you yeah. probably feel like you miss people less now, um, yeah. Because they're technically there; they're just not there in body yeah. next to you. you. You miss them less, or you want them to go away more. What, <laughs> oh, what, what yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the two, yeah. Depending on who it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's you know, it's fascinating because you know growing up with a, a dad who has kind of as we said like an irregular job. Was there was there ever a time where you kind of 
either resented him or resented Motorhead for for being this force that you know yeah. kept him away. I don't, I don't think I ever felt that because I just thought it was normal and that's what it, that's, that was what it was, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Like maybe, well, I don't know. I I I don't think. Yeah, you know, he was doing what he. You know, he was lucky enough to get a, like a really good job doing what he loved to do to provide for us. You know, he was very good at it and managed to keep doing it for so long. So, yeah, that, you know, I guess one of the sacrifices he had to make was was that. And I guess I guess we were just acceptant of that, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I've never felt resentment or anything like that. Um, and But again, I guess it's because, as you said right at the beginning, you, you never knew any different, really, did you? That was that was your normal. Yeah, like, like I, I remember one of my best friends when when I was in school, like his, his dad died when he was one. So I'm like, well, that's a lot worse than my situation. Yeah. So, I, you know, I feel sorry for a mate who doesn't have a dad. You know, I, I, I always compared my situation to his and he was my best friend and like he didn't have a dad. Yeah, I don't think he even remember. You know, he didn't really even have a, like a memory of him because he died when he was one years old. So like, well, yeah. there's a lot worse people off than than having your dad in uh, touring rock band. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and when when did you really kind of first, you know, see see a route into music yourself and thinking, do you know what? You know, I might follow in the footsteps. I was quite good at school. I was. We were all pretty good at school. And, you know, my parents encouraged, encouraged us, I guess, to do well. But, like, I think we all really got to that stage where, like, we all kind of want to do music, really. We don't really want to have normal jobs. I guess my, st- my first ever official band, I think I was 13, and the other guys in the band were a few years older. And we were playing covers at the time. Um, Nirvana and Metallica, Megadeth, stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then a, 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 revol- a few years later then, I started a band with guys in my own kind of year in school and then it, I think we were 15 16 we started writing our own songs and it was like oh well this is really fun and it's really rewarded and kind of writing your own songs and then we started playing like small gigs and support slots and things obviously there's no money involved at that stage um but like you know getting the reaction that people were liking our songs um I, I kind of get, it just built up from there so since then until the bastard sons I've been trying I've never kind of been able to do it professionally but we've always, I've always been doing it on the side. Like, like I mentioned earlier, I went to university. I did a popular music degree. And then I dabbled with a bit of kind of, I did a bit of drum teaching and I did some like volunteer work at a school with like making videos and stuff when I came out of uni. And then I ended up working in, in a guitar shop for seven years, which was cool because right. it was in within the, that's why I kind of justified it. It was like, well, it's in within, it was in the musical realm. It's just, yeah. a re, it's a re, it's retail in yeah. retail and sales, but within music. So I, I was like, I play a bit of guitar and bass myself, as you can see. Um, uh, but yeah, it was kind of like fun and they were flexible with me. So when I wanted to go on tour with whatever my band was at the time, I was in another band called Straight Lines for most of that. Um, and we got to that semi-pro level, they say. We played Download Festival. We played Sonisphere Festival. We kind of did our own headline club shows, you know, to a small degree. We had good, we, we supported Feeder at Brixton Academy. And, you know, we got, right. got to that level. We had yeah. a good booking agent. We did South by Southwest in Texas. And, 
like and that was the stage where oh you know maybe if we get a break we can make something of this band like we got on radio one maybe once or twice we were on kerrang but we never kind of made that next jump unfortunately um so it, it was kind of after that band kind of we had a bit of a break uh the singer who's like one of my best mates He's a farmer as well, which is interesting. And he he went he went to New Zealand for like eight months to do sheep shearing. For, wow! So so it kind of like it gave us a little break. Of the, we had a break, and then he came back, and then it kind of just didn't really kick up back off again, you know. Well, excuse think, excuse, yeah. excuse me for wheeling out the um, uh, the stereotypes, but uh, uh, was that an exchange program? Did I send a Welsh a Welsh sheep shearer over to New Zealand, and then a New Zealand sheep shearer came over to Wales? I, I actually don't know. I, not, to, not to my knowledge, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was something like that. But he, he'd never really travelled a hell of a lot up to that point. So I think he was like, I just want to go and have an adventure. And, yeah. And, you know, he, he, worked, he worked his ass off out there. Um, but then he kind of started writing his own music there. And he, he's kind of done solo stuff since. He's done a solo album and an EP. He's doing another album now, which I'm playing on, which is great. So it's nice to be a part of the music. But yeah, it, it kind of, I think we hit that stage and then we realized we, you know, we lost like our agent kind of let us go. Um, we had a manager for a while. He kind of let us go. And then it was like, uh, everything's kind of falling apart. Cause we yeah. did have a bit of a, we had our break and it, you know, it got so high and then it kind of like, well, we can't go any further unless people are willing to help us. And, uh, you know, yeah. there's still, we still, you know, we, we still never officially split up. Like we still are a band. We just don't really do anything. <laughs> sorry go on was go on i was gonna say yeah we really we released like a collection of b-sides and rarities last year as like a like a rare we did 100 cd copies and stuff so like people can listen to that and we've talked about maybe when once the pandemic ends maybe doing a couple of gigs which would be nice if yeah. there's any anyone there who's willing to watch us but uh, <laughs> but did, did was that but that sounds like that sounds like it was enough. You've got to enough of a level to go. This is all right. This I I would I would really like to do more of this. Well, of course, yeah. And just it doesn't feel like work. This is you're playing in a band with your mates. And like I I love yeah. performing. I love play, I just just physically playing a drum kit. I really enjoy. It's a really fun thing to do. Uh, don't like setting them up and packing them away. But um, it's you know that's part of it as well. But yeah. And it was just like we just need a we just need a break to be able to kind of get to that next level. I guess there's always the option of one day if I'm lucky enough, I might get to join an already a band that's already established or something. I, I kind of always thought oh, maybe that might happen one day, but um, I don't think I'm really good enough for that. But um, you know, I think that's always an option, and you see people getting breaks like that. But it, it's not it wouldn't be the same as kind of starting your own band, writing your own songs, and kind of. Yeah, working your way up like we did to that kind of level, but then we got we didn't get any further. But, but also, yeah. but I, also yeah. by the same token, it's also interesting because you know there is certain people who'd be like, oh yeah, look at that, you know, his dad used to be in Motorhead and he puts again, you know, he puts a band together and and oh yeah, it's just all you know, it's all handed to you, it's all just falling in your lap as you've just said. It doesn't matter who your dad is, you've got to pay your due those nights and those tours in a van and and all the rest of it. And yeah, and, and absolutely. it's no different for you either. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people did maybe make that assumption that we, 
even though we only got so far, I think a lot of people assumed, oh, well, they only got that far because his dad's in Motorhead. That was an actual band where my dad literally had no involvement in any of our kind of, you know, big break. It was a different genre at the end of the yeah. day. We were kind like, of more like, mod- any- we were like modern rock, you know, it was kind well, of. Yeah, like any other dad, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. it's like my, my dad, my dad managed a slaughterhouse. Funnily enough, he didn't get us a record deal either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like not, everything that we did with that specific band was very organic. People discovered us. The record label assigned us discovered us because I can't remember what it was, but yeah, our, our band before that, they, they released an EP and then we announced that oh, this new band's coming out and they were like, oh, we're really interested. They released two albums. Uh, the booking agent, we had a few booking agents, but they all discovered us at gigs watching us live. Nothing, you know, nothing, not like my old man sent people to go and watch us live. Nothing to do with him. No different company, yeah. everything. Um, like I, I'll admit we did do four shows supporting Motorhead on tour, but like that was just kind of might as well give it a go. We didn't go down very well. And it's, you know, it's, not, it's not the right, it's not the right audience, but I don't think that really gained us any, any fans or anything. And yeah. for all the stuff we did do, which did help like support in relevant bands, you know, that's the stuff that did help. I had nothing to do with my old man. It was us networking, other bands liking us, other agents, managers liking us, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so yeah, I'm sure there was situations where my because my dad was very proud of the music that we made, and he did used to like show his friends and show people on tour and stuff. But it wasn't like this is my son's band. What can you do for them? It was like it was just I'll check out my son's band. They're really good, and it was always in a different genre anyway. So there was no one, even if he maybe did show someone that you know had was working in the industry it was like well they worked in the classic rock heavy metal industry which is completely separate to what we were kind of going for the kind of commercial rock right kind of it's yeah. a pretty different world even though it's similar it's still guitar music which is why i like it all but it is there's different people that work in in that side to what work in that kind of that side so yeah but yeah you know people can think what they what they want i thought we were a good band you know we we had good reviews and like magazines give us good reviews because they thought we were good nothing you know nothing to do with who our, my old man was so so yeah, yeah you know i'm proud i'm proud of it all and you know it definitely helped and just the experience of performing live and playing so many of those gigs big or small yeah you know we played hundreds of hundreds of gigs uh you know it helped me as a musician and as a performer and got me used to the industry and but it, it makes me appreciate where the bastard sons are now more because i yeah. did all that and i spent years slogging around in a Re- renault master old ambulance van that i had a hit miles on the clock and Brilliant. broke down on the m broke down on the m4 motorway most tours and oh, you know do you know what i mean so like yeah. i've done i've done all that so like where we're at now even though it's nowhere near to where motorhead were at it's like this is amazing, you know, in comparison. Yes, yeah. I, we've obviously had a bit of a head start being in the band with my old man. Now this is different. And admittedly, we, we've had, you know, an adv- advantage over any other new band starting out, obviously. But like, I'm not afraid to admit that. But, you know. Well, no. It, well, it, it first, <laughs> for, well, firstly, it's inescapable. But also, ultimately, it's like, well, you know, it's it. your dad's put in, what, 25 30 years in motorhead maybe 32 i think there you go i mean yeah. that's that's that that counts for quite a lot doesn't it 
yeah so like he deserves to still be able to do it and i'd like to think me and my brothers have worked hard kind of in our own other projects up till now yeah like like i like i just described so you know it's nice to get a bit of a break and earn a few quid from doing it at least anyway so when you obviously (laughs) yeah yeah like the rest of us so when you when, when you're a kid growing up um, when there's, you know, there'd be a, a new album coming out or, you know, you've got demos coming in and stuff like that. Was it something that, you know, that your dad would come home and say, right, you know, what do you think to this or play you it? Or were you just naturally interested anyway? I think, I think it was a bit of both really. I think he probably had to listen to it for, you know, does he want to change this or for the mix, give his opinion on the mix and things like that. But obviously he was probably proud of what he'd just been working on for two months in the studio in LA or whatever. She so wanted to show it to us. And then, yeah, we wanted to hear it because it was like, oh, the new, the new, new album, let's, let's check it out. And, and like, like I said before, it was interesting seeing how the kind of songs evolved. And sometimes they changed a little bit then on the final version. Because, you know, that's the whole process. You, you know, yeah. if you're in a band. Yeah. Um, there's multiple stages until the final, final mastered product. Um, and there's a, the songs kind of, there's an evolution of where they start from to where they end up. So it was kind of nice kind of seeing that, because I guess that's a very small minority of people have been exposed to, to that in the motorhead world, I suppose. Uh, well, absolutely. I mean, you know, I can literally hear people going green with envy whilst yeah. we're talking. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So I don't have any of the CDs or tapes. Uh, they, they're probably somewhere. I don't know. Someone yeah. might have them somewhere else. You know, all the, the, the audio engineers and producers have probably got all the same tape somewhere. And they, hopefully they're organized somewhere and I don't know, wherever all yeah. that stif- stuff lives. <laughs> Did your dad ever, ever have a conversation with you? You know, the old, uh, well, you know, if you're going to do this, watch out for this, be careful for that. Or was it just literally a case of you just went out and did it? You would, you would have thought he would maybe warn us against things. I don't think, I don't think he did really. I think he was just happy that we were doing it. And he, he always used to come and watch us play if he was home. In terms of, yeah, the industry side of things, I think we kind of just learned it all ourselves. Um, don't think he really had a lot to say, but despite, I think they had their issues with like management and stuff in the earlier days, but it wasn't as if he sat me down to kind of explain all, all these things. And I, I still think maybe he's not that clued up on that side of it now, perhaps, because right. So maybe they have to make the odd decision every now and again, but I think he's just kind of gone, gone with a flow for most of it. And there's other people that sort that stuff out for him and there always has been. Well, that and that's, but that's why you have, that's why you have a manager, isn't it? I mean, ultimately, ultimately, you know, his his job is play guitar, write songs, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and show up, and yeah, that's it. That should be it, really. Yeah. Um, But I I guess, like I mentioned, all the other bands I was in, we were were all a bit more DIY. We used to kind of record ourselves. My brother's got a studio and stuff. Um, When we didn't have managers, we were kind of doing all the other stuff ourselves. I'm a bit more clued up on it. And I kind of learned a little bit about it in university. Not a lot, but it, we touched on it in, like for music management and stuff. And I read a few books back in the day, which did me, it gave me a bit more of a head start and what to expect with regards to, you know, anything ro- royalties or I learned about all yeah. that myself, which is important because some people sign, sign themselves away and they don't know what they're signing themselves for. So I, I'm a bit more clued up myself, but more from what I've learned on my own accord, really. And what was, and I mean, you mentioned earlier about, you know, spending that week on the road um, with, yeah. Mo, with Motorhead. It was, is that, 
you know, when when you were like, you know, you're you're on the tour bus and everything. Was that something that, you know, that really made a kind of impression on you? You thought, well, this is, you know, this is the life for me or, uh-huh. you know. Is- uh, yeah, but, well, I think at the time it was just like, oh, it's great. It's great for me to finally be able to do this because it was always like we always had school or we always had uni or, you know, it wasn't the issue, yeah. the case that we could ever go on tour. We just go to a gig and that's it. Um, so, yeah, that was a nice taster. I'm trying to remember if I'd ever been on a, or if I'd ever slept on a tour bus before then, because we, some of the bands I was in earlier, we did like really shitty tour buses, with them, <laughs> like a lot, a lot low budget compared to what Motorhead had, but um, maybe it was a similar time. I don't know. But yeah, that was definitely like a taster to what the whole routine was for the day as well. Yes. In terms of, in terms of like the road crew, um, which being in a band, you don't really see all that. So it was cool kind of, people were probably up before me setting up the staging and all that. You know, I just rock. I wasn't really doing anything. I was kind of, I was helping out the assistant a little bit, doing the odd things, but I, you know, I was there if anyone needed my help, you know? Yes. Otherwise I was just drinking strong bow or whatever. Um, and, and eating the rider, but uh, yeah, it was a nice, it was nice to have that taster and it was only short and it was in the UK. So it was like, I, I was, it was comfortable. And I, there was people I knew at the gigs I can. It would have been maybe a different story if I had to go out for three months or something. Maybe it yeah. would have been like, "This is hard. You know, this is tiring now. I want to go home." Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe I don't. I don't know. It's different if you're in the band, but you know, when you when you're just kind of watching, it's very. I guess it's very repetitive as well. Um, but yeah, that little that that little week was a nice little taster, and yeah, yeah. Fond, fond memories of it. And it's a shame I didn't really do it again. Well, uh, really. Well, you know, potentially. I'm sure yeah. It, they could have made it happen if they wanted to, or if I wanted to, could have, could have happened. And um, I mean, I, you know, look, I, I've got to ask because ultimately, um, you know, the, the band came to a halt, um, and you know, and Lem passed, um, and just before, and just before him, um, Phil as well. Um, you know, were, were there uh, was there was there a kind of last time you saw you you saw the band? Um, yeah, you know. yeah. And unfortunately, it was Glastonbury, which I don't know if you were at. Or no, I wasn't. But it, it, it was, it was a weird. It was an amazing day, because like my family came, my well, my girlfriend at the time, my wife came, and like I'd never been to Glastonbury before. It was the main stage, the Pyramid Stage, and it like as an event, it was an amazing day. But the, obviously the show didn't go brilliantly for anyone who did watch that. Um, and it was kind of a mixture of emotions when when I was kind of watching kind of how bad it had got. Well, you know, it, it was, I think this was before anyone really knew Lemmy was properly ill. No one really knew, in, including himself. But it was clear that, you know, his ability to perform to what people were used to wasn't quite there um, and so it was that sad moment, really, when we were like, "What's what's going on?" And it was, yeah, it was a bit, a bit strange. So we put a bit of a downer on the day, yeah. but you've got to think at the situation, how you know, how the ages and how long you've been doing it. And it was, I'm glad they got to do Glastonbury, but I yeah. hope people who, who have only, if their only experience of seeing Motorhead was that show, I hope they go back and check out some other 
performances because it obviously wasn't their best. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of the people who were maybe watching that on TV are probably the demographic that are not into kind of metal bands and stuff. So maybe they just think, oh, that's Motorhead. They were rubbish or whatever. But like, it, was, it wasn't just, it wasn't that they were rubbish, but, you know, it's the, the tempos were a bit over, over the place. And, and it was an issue with him singing. Um, I can't remember which way around it was. I think he was singing Ace of Spades lyrics over Overkill or something like that. It was something, something dodgy going on. Right for any, for people who were there will know, uh, but uh, yeah, and it was it was just broadcast on TV, unfortunately, which is not, not ideal. Good uh, good in some way, good exposure for the band, but not the best performance in terms of 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 that. But that was the last time I saw them play. Absolutely, definitely, yeah. And uh, presumably, having having seen the performance, that you know, you you must have had some you must have had some questions for, for your dad after that. Well, it was, it was it's just awkward, really, because it's yeah, I can imagine. Just it's a bit awkward, really. How do you how do you bring how it up? I think they, they uh, yeah. were aware that yeah, yeah, they were they were aware that something had gone something had gone wrong, but like you don't really know, and it's like how do you? Like, obviously, I didn't I didn't personally speak to Lemmy after that or anything. I don't know how he felt or anything or what how aware he he was of the situation, but obviously something people knew about it. Um, and I remember there was a bit of. A lot of the crew or the the tour manager and stuff were trying to get a message for it not to be broadcasted or something like that or to cut the end off or something because people it was obviously a big deal they knew knew something had gone wrong at the end of the set but like was it from like everyone knows Lemmy drinks and whatever he does is could it have simply have been from um, that yeah. or could it have been from you know some ill health thing brain related thing i don't know but it was it was definitely a bit of a shock having seen them for so many years consistently and you know they've always been top notch and i've never seen anything like that before and so yeah, yeah it was it was a bit of bit of sweet moment because the day I, I remember was amazing and um yeah um but that must have yeah. also it must have also been really well, it must have been really difficult for for Mickey and your dad as well, because I, that, yeah, I think so. You know what? What do you do? And I think yeah. they had a show the next day, which was um, like Devon or Cornwall somewhere. Um, so I didn't go to that. I don't know. Maybe that was a lot better. I don't know. But um, I guess they had to kind of focus on. Well, is tomorrow going to be all right and and stuff like that? And I I don't really remember what happened directly after the show with regards to communicating with my dad or, or Mickey or anything, I don't know, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if they had, you know, they talked amongst themselves more about what had potentially got wrong. I don't know. I, I don't have any insider information on that, unfortunately, but yeah, well, it was, I guess they had, they had the show the next day and I guess that was the, the priority really is kind of get into that. Was there ever a time where you were kind of, let into the inner sanctum as it were or or given information basically said look there's something going on here i don't think there was ever that much going on behind the scenes for there to be any information like that um uh, right okay well you know not to my knowledge um lemmy was diagnosed all happened in a short space of time yeah and the next, the next thing we know he's gone you know yeah and it was it was there was no long-term knowledge of anything like that. No one knew any of that. It was li literally what whatever the news said was accurate, I believe. Right. Um, 
and it all happened really quickly. Uh, but yeah, prior to that, yeah, I can't really think of any anything. Yeah, you know, there was the obvious, you know, little squabbles here and there. Like I, I was, you know, pe- more mostly with the songwriting and set lists. You know, nothing, nothing important. Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always the way, isn't it? Yeah, just like oh, you know, you want to do this song, I don't want to do it, or vice versa. And, you know, yeah. just just stupid things like that. And I again, I'll, I'll mention it again. I'm a bit of a cheeky plug, but the the the, 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 the podcast I did with Mickey D. He kind of reveals a few funny stories about if anyone's interested in kind of the band squabbling. The episode I did with Mickey D kind of talks about a few instances. Um, one was when they were recording Overnight Sensation, and apparently he left the band because <laughs> Lemmy wanted went too soft to the music. He wanted the music to be too too soft and wanted acoustic guitars on it. And, I don't know. But yeah, go and listen to that. It's funny. It's, it's... <laughs> Obviously, anyone listening to this is a Motorhead fan. They're going to like that interview anyway. And it's, it, but it must have really hit your dad hard though when, obviously, when oh. it did happen because it's, I mean, it's not, it's losing, you know, yeah. your, your career, your career disappears yeah. overnight, but also yeah. these, these immensely close bonds are, are broken Absolutely, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and like I said, because it was, it happened so fast. There was no, I guess there was no time to prepare for it. I, I can't remember the time scale. It was a week or something. It was something ridiculously short like that. The, you know, his main career, active career over, obviously he's, you know, revitalized it to some degree, obviously not to anywhere near the same level, but um, yeah. And more to do with his, his, his best mate, you know, and that's the hardest thing. And he's kind of, I guess he probably considered him a, like a, his brother in some way. I think that, you know, it's quite normal to say that, isn't it? Yeah, um, definitely. And yeah, and it, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, obviously, I can't speak for my dad, but I know he yeah. struggled for months and months and months after it. And you know, it took a took a look a took a long time for him to even f- feel relatively normal and accepting of the situation. You know, and yeah. you know, he spoke about that in interviews. I think you know, yeah. back when it happened. So yeah, you know, it definitely wasn't easy. Even I, even I, like struggled. I I remember. You know, even though I don't never really knew Lemmy personally, like to say he's my mate Lemmy or Uncle Lemmy, like it wasn't. We were never that close or anything. Like Un- that. Uncle but, Lemmy, Uncle Lemmy, yeah, yeah. That's what like a lot of people say is he like your Uncle Lemmy. Like we never really got that close for it to be like that. Unfortunately, maybe if we lived in the UK, there would have been a few more kind of hang out, hanging out sessions and stuff. Yeah, um, he only came to our house once when the tour bus pulled up in the street at the end or start of the tour. I can't remember. And like all everyone in the, in the street was like, what's going on? And, um, <laughs> I, can imagine, yeah, I think yeah. he, he came in for a, you know, a, a fag and a drink or whatever for an hour. And you know, like, like, like I wasn't part of that. It was just like, you must be no lamb. Come and see, see the house or whatever. <laughs> you know what? Cause I was, I guess it didn't really happen much. Cause it was always, you're on the road, you're going to airports and obviously you lived in LA. So it, it, for him to come to South Wales was very rare. So yeah, I don't know. And it depends on the routine of the tour and whether it's even possible. Yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, you know, um, I like I remember this is when I was listening to all the back catalogue a lot, which I'm sure lots of other people were as well at the time. And I, like I remember just like I was running a lot of the time. I think I was still going to the gym and I just remember getting really sad. I was in the middle of running, music coming on. It was just making me really sad and, you know, crying yeah. a little bit, which yeah. I don't mind saying because it just makes you think of, the whole picture and now it's not there anymore. Yeah. Um, it, it took, 
it took a long time to kind of kind of accept that it's over really yeah. uh, you know i'm sure it's just the same or worse for like the big fans out there and, yeah yeah and yeah who, obviously you knew who knew the band and stuff like that well yeah i mean it, it it's you know it's it's a big thing especially if if a band has been there since your youth and then and then you lose them it's hmm. it, you know there's 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 so much at work there because it reminds you of your own mortality you know that that how you know how much of how much time have i got left um yeah. and also there is something about people in rock bands despite the fact that you know a lot die young and all the rest of it but there is something about people in rock bands that is slightly immortal yeah you know? i think it is and lemmy was probably the the biggest example of what people were looking at when they thought of an immortal rock star yeah until the very end he always seemed really strong um whether it was verbally or you know physically or just a, just the presence yes yeah of, of him and yeah I, I can't really think of anyone else that kind of had that equal level yes. that lemmy had there's obviously more famous people but in terms of like the presence that that he had and kind of the respect i, I don't know anyone really like, yeah can you think of anyone i don't know I no not not no. at all not at all more, more and then anyone i can think of is it was more divisive whereas everyone respected lem yes i mean that's something that and that's something that's come out through doing these 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 podcasts and and you know everybody respected lem but also you know the band and their you know their musical legacy mm. um you know what motorhead are one of those few bands that um a bit like for some reason but a couple a couple of bands that i've interviewed like new model army and therapy oh yeah do you know as and 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 motorhead it's like you take those three bands and they could do a tour together they could play metal festivals they can play alternative festivals they could do you, do you know what i mean that like those three bands have this exclusive ability to just play anywhere and maybe even glastonbury and yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. and and people will go oh yeah it's them as opposed to you know what are they doing here hang on a second yeah that's, that's a good point actually yeah absolutely and they were definitely one of those bands that yeah could play on any any lineup as long as there was guitars involved to some degree you know you can get away with it and i think that yeah. was what helped helped them obviously we know they were they were never the biggest they never really sold a hell of a lot of music but they gained a good well i hate using the word cult because but it is a bit of a cult following in terms yeah. of their fan base was so dedicated to them but plus fans of other bands who may you know motorhead maybe not their favorite band maybe they're a metallica fan but they're always like obviously respect motorhead so much and understand how influential they would have been back in the day because i i can't think of any interview that i because i watch a lot of interviews and listen to a lot of interviews as well any any band that came from this like the 80s onwards will will normally say they were influenced by Motorhead to some degree. Any kind of rock or metal band, no matter what they like, they might not sound anything like them, but at least one member of the band will probably state that they've been influenced heavily by Motorhead. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. Cool. Abs well, absolutely. Band, you know, Band I'm in Acid Rain. Uh, Pete, our bass player, 
you know, a massive oh, mo- Motorhead and Lemmy fan. But but also, I think that, that Lemmy, to a certain extent, also almost became like uh, our mainstream ambassador for the for this kind of this kind of loud, you know, dirty rock and roll, which you know really sort of flourished within the heavy metal community as well. And and it, it, like I said, he, he was like our our ambassador. You know, you you could see him on Jules Holland, and I mean, you yeah. see him doing you see him doing adverts for milk for God's yeah. sake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so like, yeah, it's extreme because I think it's his people would perceive him, recognize him, maybe know his name, maybe know his the name of his band if they don't know the music, but they yeah they they know who he is. Yes. More than so, I think he was more famous than the band's music was by far. I think, like, like I remember, yeah, Jules Holland. He was on "Don't Forget Your Toothbrush" and like shows like that, yeah. which were like mainstream TV shows when I was younger. Um, yeah, but that was again yeah. that was his. Yeah. But that was his personality as well. Yeah, it's like it's like you know he used he used to get offered all these weird things. You know, like, yeah. you know, national newspapers ringing him up and asking him to do stuff and things like that. Because it, it was almost like everybody knew that there was this incredibly, in you know, I- I intelligent um, guy behind the facade, as it were. Yeah. And, and it's, I, I was thinking this recently. It's a shame he never did any podcasts. Imagine, oh. imagine if there was podcasts with him, like long form two hour conversations with Lemmy that were available now. Yeah. Imagine, imagine the, the stuff you would have come up with. It would have been amazing. And Oh, well, mate, I'd, I'd be out of a job for a start. Right. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, um, no, you're right. Yeah. It's a shame because I, you know, I listen to a lot of musician podcasts and yeah, some of them are great. And but I'm just like, Oh, imagine if Lemmy had done this or if this yeah. guy had interviewed Lemmy, I know he would be amazing. I guess there was a lot of print media, which was obviously selective of what they show or what they ask. And, but you, you get to really kind of elaborate a lot more in a, in this podcast form. Yeah. Imagine like he could just sit on zoom, chat to people. Yeah. Doing music podcasts. It'd be amazing. Some of the stuff he talked well, about. He could chat to people like me and you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, exactly. yeah. yeah, I know. But yeah, it's just, it's a shame. And I, I always think I, it would have been great. Obviously there's the book that which, which was, which is nice that that exists. Yeah, but also all these amazing re-releases coming out, you know, all these anniversary things coming out. It's just going to continue as well, you know, as these anniversaries tick round for for releases. You know, we've had Ace of Spades, we've had No Sleep, you know, Iron Fist will be... And, and, you know, it's it's still keeping it's still keeping the band alive, if you like. Yeah, hopefully. I, like I, I'm not that familiar with what what these releases are included and stuff i know i know they're doing kind of fancy packages and bundles and things i don't know so what what, what extra are they including then oh maybe good. haven't been seen before quite a lot is it yeah yeah i mean like like, like for instance uh, no sleep till hammersmith you've got the whole gigs of the the gigs that made up no sleep oh right okay so, oh, wow. but you've got you've yeah. got each individual gig that's pretty damn cool, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really cool, really cool. Um, and the, I mean, the Ace of Spades box set's amazing. I'd show you it, but it'd probably break both my arms getting it down. Okay, I mean, no it's, it's 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 incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. It's got a bullet belt round it. 
you know. Oh, that is that's pretty but like, cool. But it's a little cardboard bullet belt, but it's so cool. And you slip that off, you take the box out, you turn the box upside down, you can play blackjack in the box. You know, it's done. Yeah, that's so cool. Oh, that it, the whole thing is. Yeah, it's it really is amazing. It really well, that's is. good then. Because I, I do see, I do, you know, like I'm in a lot of the kind of Motorhead Facebook fan groups and stuff. Uh, I do see a lot of people kind of moaning about all these re-releases. And, but like that, that to me sounds like a great package and no one's forcing you to buy it. If you want Absolutely. to buy it, um, it seems to be something, you know, you, you can research what it comes with or what it looks like before you make the decision. You know, no one's forcing you to buy it. So. Yeah, yeah, ab- and, absolutely. You know, you can moan about re-releases all you want. It doesn't mean the original release suddenly disappears. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you've still got it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like, oh, why are they doing this? And it's like, well, you, well, you've got your No Sleep Till Hammersmith in your record collection. What, what's the beef? Yeah, yeah it's just an, op- an optional, optional thing. Yeah, people... no one's, no one's going to come round in the middle of the night and exchange it for the the remastered version while you're asleep. Yeah, you know, that's a good. Yeah, very good point. And yeah, it's a weird thing. And at the end of the day, that that's giving like the band and the brand of Motorhead, because it is a brand now, technically. Yeah. Um, I don't really understand the business side of it. I don't know. But, um, it's you know, it's, that's getting featured then in all the magazines or on on podcasts and wherever these new forms of media are. And it's it's getting new people into the band that weren't before. Yeah. So, like, what, why is that a bad thing? And, yeah, abs- absolutely. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be that Motorhead fan out there who hasn't played much around the house, you know, and but it's been years. Well, sees that like No Sleep or Ace of Spades has been is being re-released and goes, do you know what? I've got to get that. And they stick yeah. that on in the house, and their kid who's 15 and never heard their dad play this before goes, wow, this is amazing. Who's this? Yeah, exactly, and and that's why you get. It's amazing now at the at the age we're at. Like even at our shows, sometimes we get like three or four generations of of like normally males, which is a shame. But um, <laughs> you'd have like the granddad, you'd have the the kind of fifty year old man, and then you'd have the twenty year old kind of son, and yeah. then sometimes there's another one as well, a little one, you know, yeah. depending on. And it's, it's amazing, and they're they're all into the same thing, and I think that's what's amazing about music, and especially this that era of music that you you never grow out of it. Like all my favorite bands yeah. are bands I like when I was a kid, yeah, and and I'm and they probably always will be, and I'm always going to be so fond of their music and yeah. the music that I was listening to when I was a kid and a teenager and stuff. So, and I imagine I'm going to be an eight, I'm going to be an 80 year old man, hopefully, if I last that long. And I'm still going to be listening to Blink-182 and, you know, stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't see what, why not? Why not? I'm still listening yeah. to them now every now and again. So, Here's something. Here's a phrase you never hear. I used to be into Motorhead. Yeah. It, it no. Doesn't happen. No, no, yeah, exactly. You're, once you're in, you're in. Yeah, exactly. Well, you, don't, hey, look. you don't, yeah, you don't grow out of it. It's yeah. weird, yeah. Absolutely. Well, look, Dane, that is a, that's a great place to leave it. Once you're in, you're in. <laughs> Yeah. I, that's I, really absolutely. cool yeah. that's really cool well look thank you very much i've left it to the end because whilst we were talking i realized we've met have we i thought you do look and, familiar but i, and, I can't think where well i could you see i could sit here now and say right you've got five guesses but i don't think you'd ever guess we've done a gig together mate have we we've had we've had dressing rooms next to each other in leicester De, in, in leicester de montfort hall 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Uprising. Um, it yeah. might have been, I think that was probably 2017, maybe. Yeah, I'm trying to think which one that was. I'm trying to pick. I remember the outside of it. Yeah. I don't remember what it looked like inside. Big old, big old stage, really high. You know, big yeah. old sort Oh, of like... yeah. So which band were you in? Well, I'm I'm now Acid Rain and we were we Acid were he- Rain, right. But we were head we were headlining in like you guys were playing the main the main stage and it and it was going main stage, second stage, main stage, second ah. stage. You headline you headlined the main stage and we headlined the second stage. I, I think was that was that when we went on after hell? Yes. Hell? Yes, it was. And, yes. and I, they were so good. I was like, oh my God. And it was the, it was during our early days. Like we, we hadn't really yeah. done a lot at that point. So it was kind of like, oh my God, this band is so good. And they had all the, the stage show and all that. And it was like, how the hell, how the hell are we going to follow this? Literally, how was, the hell, it was how, okay. How the hell okay. are we going to follow hell? Yeah, yeah, literally. It wasn't the easiest gig, I must say. I felt, I felt the same though, because hell finished on the main stage. And then everybody rushed into into the place where we were playing, and all we could hear was everybody talking about how great hell were. Oh right, great, yeah, exactly. Sorry, yeah. it's not ideal. No, well, they it, were good. It, well, you can take it one way or another. You can either go like, "Oh dear," or you can go, "Right, you thought they were good, did you?" Right, we'll show you. I suppose so, but I think I think we were more concerned with our production is nothing. Yeah, we just we just yeah. turn up with our amps and drums and play. We don't have like whatever the house lights are, you know, yeah, that's yeah. It. but they had so much, the props and I think they had, I don't know if they had special video it, or like, no, they, I can't remember. Uh, they was, had, was, yeah. They had like candelabras and yeah. And it looked like, amazing. It did. Didn't it? Yeah, it did. It did. I think, I think we all wanted to be in hell that day. Yeah. Yeah. The band, cool. obviously. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah, was of cool. Course, yeah. It was cool. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I, 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 I you, you your face looks familiar. I don't uh, physically I, remember meeting you if we shook our don't hands. Worry, or anything, no, but, no, I don't. Mate, but, uh, I think I think literally. I mean, I say we've met. Um, I think I was in your dressing room for like five minutes max. I said hello to your dad. We ah, cool. we we hadn't we hadn't met before, but um, he'd heard of our he'd heard of us, and I think we we bumped into each other in the in the hall, um, and uh, and he was like, oh, you know, come in, and I think he just came in. And was like, all right, guys, you know, whatever. Ah, cool. Um, there you go. But um, but I reckon yeah. Funnily enough, your face looked familiar as well. So while we were yeah. talking at the beginning, I was thinking, why? D- ah, I remember. So uh, um, and Ooh. which is which is great because my brain is broken. <laughs> my, mine's just too filled of songs. Yeah, it's so filled up with songs, I can't fit anything new in anymore. It's really hard. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, look, thank you very much for spe- for spending the time doing this. Oh, no really, really do appreciate it, mate. My pleasure and thanks for having me and um hopefully everyone will keep the motorhead thing alive and just keep enjoying the music um it's always going to be there so i think that's a great thing and i think we can all get behind those sentiments completely agree and of course i hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as i enjoyed doing it there you go you knew that was coming didn't you now for those of you who want to check out dane's podcast it is called Drum for the Song. So just put that into any podcast app or a search engine, Drum for the Song, and you will track down Dane's podcast. Uh, speaking of which, like I said at the beginning, please tell everybody about this podcast, how much you're enjoying it, and how much they should be listening and enjoying it too. 
please do keep all of your your messages and your support going it really really is wonderful it really does feel like there's a community building here um and thank you all for making me feel so welcome and accepted it really is appreciated take care i'll speak to you next time I don't say agreed. The only God I need is the Ace of Spades. The Ace of Spades.